Good evening. Glad you're here. We're going to get started now. Let's start off with a word of prayer tonight. Dear Father, we, we come tonight. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for uh, what we have in you. We're thankful for our Savior, Jesus. Uh, we're thankful for your word that we can come and study tonight. I pray for uh, all of the classes that will teach it tonight. So important. I pray uh, for our kids that they will have a foundation stacked and built upon tonight. I pray for our youth, the saints. We'll continue to teach uh, the truth of God's Word, a foundation that will stand in a world that's going to try and, and, and snatch it away from them, pull them in different directions. Pray for our class tonight, the other adult classes, uh, that you'd be at the center of them, that we would be wise and just, again, uh, look into, study, and see what you say in your Word. Uh, I pray for our church. Bless it, use it, lead it, uh, stand at the center of it. I'm thankful for this night. Uh, we, we praise you for it, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I hope you all had a good time, for a good job on our hamburgers, an awesome meal tonight, uh, starting off tonight. We're going to go uh, to our 64th lesson. It's fast, it's uh, pretty wild how fast we're moving along. Uh, now we're moving into the New Testament, now we're moving our way through the gospel accounts. Uh, our lesson tonight is entitled, Up to the Feast, Up to the Feast. Our verses tonight are found in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. I'm going to go ahead and read the verses uh, all together in their entirety, and then we'll come back and look at them. So our key verses tonight, Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. All right, God's Word says this. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey. And they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished and said to his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it you were looking for me? Did you not know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he, made, which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Those are our key verses. Again, an awesome set of verses. A very interesting lesson uh, that we're going to look at tonight. If you have your worksheet tonight, the key point tonight is this. Luke records the only biblical account from Jesus' childhood. I think that's an interesting thing. This is the only account, the only biblical account of Jesus' childhood. Uh, in it, we're going to see really the marvel is the word, but the, the marvel of the Son of God growing up in human skin. Uh, we get used to that. We know that. But that is a weird thing. That is a strange thing to think about. Here is the Son of God growing up as a person. Uh, tonight as we start our, our lesson, think about this. Uh, for some reason, and, and I think it holds true, we like uh, to visit the childhood homes of the stars. And you think about it, this is where 
uh, so-and-so was born. This is where somebody grew up, maybe a president. This is the president's house when he was a kid. Uh, for some reason, we're very excited. This is where uh, Royal Orbison's hospital was when he was born. Uh, we, like to, we like to think about the places where people started out. Uh, maybe that's a curiosity. Uh, maybe it's just we, we like to see those things. Maybe it's just an infatuation with the person. Uh, but maybe, and I think this may be a thing, uh, seeing how they grew up and came up helps us understand them as adults. And so you can go read the story of, of Abraham Lincoln as a child or somebody else as a child, uh, Elvis Presley as a child, and maybe understanding how they came up and where they came up uh, gives us a better understanding into their adult lives. Uh, this is on that level, but really completely different than that. Uh, when you think about uh, Jesus uh, growing up as a child, really the questions become limitless. I, I kind of feel for Brenna and the kids' classes tonight, the questions they might have. Think about this. All right, Jesus is growing up as a kid. Did he play games with the neighborhood kids? He go down the street and, and play whatever games they're playing. Did he cry when he lost? Did he ever come home and say, we lost, or they got the ball down there? Did he ever come home crying? Was he always serious? I don't, does little Jesus just walk around? He's always serious. Can't joke around with him. He's always serious. Uh, how did he interact with his brothers and sisters? Did they push each other? Did they tell on each other? How did he interact with his brothers and sisters? Here's one. Did he become cranky when he needed a nap? Did they ever say about the four-year-old, he just needs to take a nap? That's his whole deal. He's been up all day. He needs to go take a nap. Did they ever say that about Jesus? Did he ever ask for his favorite food? I don't like that. Did he, ever, did he say, I like everything, Mama. Whatever you have, I like that. Or did he ever say, you know what, I, don't, I want this thing. Did he ever ask for his favorite food? Here's a big one. Did he know who he truly was? Did he know I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah? Here's, here's, a, here's a, a bigger question. When did he realize that? Uh, we're going to see in our verses today, when he's 12, it seems he has a pretty good grasp on that. But does, can a six-year-old Jesus understand uh, I am the Christ? Does a four-year-old Jesus, is that a progression? Does it hit? Um, does he answer situations with Bible verses? Is he nine and go, well, you know, and, and say a Bible verse? Um, when did he realize those things? Was he good at math? Was Jesus good at math as a nine-year-old? Uh, the questions could go on and on. Now, here's the weird thing. God in his wisdom gives us this one glimpse into Christ when he's a child. And so I think, well, I guess most of those things we're never going to know. And so we could talk about those questions. They're interesting questions. But most of those things we're never going to know. But here's the thing we do know. What we need to know and what God who's infinite in his wisdom has deemed that we need to know, we're going to know. And so I like to think about those questions, crazy questions. Most of them we're not going to have an answer to, but what we do need to know and what God in his infinite wisdom deemed uh, important for us to have, we are going to have in our account tonight. So we're going to look at that account very closely tonight. All right, on your worksheet, the first section is a family tradition, a family tradition. I'm going to start in verse 41. We're going to go verse by verse. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. 
Jesus was raised in a family that made it a tradition of going to the feast of the Passover. And that event uh, was clearly so important to them that it became their normal pattern. And that's what you can tell from verse 41, from the language there. Uh, This is what they did. Every year at this time, this is what they did. It was their pattern. It was what they did. Now, let me explain that to you. Remember the Passover was the celebration and the remembrance of God's uh, supernatural deliverance of his people during the Exodus account. So he, he delivers his people in the Exodus account. This is a remembrance of that. It is a celebration of that. Uh, in that actual event, those who chose to obey God in faith, uh, they marked their home, remember, by spreading the blood of the lamb over their doorposts. Uh, when they did that in obedience, which is really done in faith, we have to trust this is what God has said. We have to trust God at his word, and so they do it in obedience and faith. Uh, when they do that, uh, the, the death of their firstborn is, is prevented, their, their life is spared, they're saved. Um, and so it's a celebration of that event, it's a remembrance of that event. Uh, the celebration of it was actually instituted by God. And so God uh, tells them, commands them to remember it in this way, to observe this event in this way, and so that's what they're doing. After that, it becomes a central practice to Jewish faith. So if you're going to be a Jewish person, if you're going to be a devout Jewish person, you're going to keep the law that God has set. He tells you to remember this event, so you're going to remember and carry out uh, the Passover. Um, it's, it's funny, I, and I was thinking about it today, it's in celebration of what God had done. It's a remembrance of God as Savior But if you think about it, more than anything, it is a pointing to Jesus as the Passover lamb and under his blood that we are saved. And so all along, it's this pointing to Jesus. And so here's the celebration. It's it's remembering what God has done, but more than that, it's a a pointing or a foreshadowing uh, to Jesus. Something bigger is coming. Um, On this day, on this event after the Passover, Uh, It was followed by the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, This was a feast that lasted from a Sabbath to a Sabbath, and so it lasted for seven days. Uh, It was a symbolic event uh, that that pointed to the removing of sin from the Jewish family's homes. Uh, The way they did this is they removed all the yeast from their homes, and they only ate unleavened bread. And so... Uh, it, is a, it is a remembrance or a, a celebration of God's removal of sin. Uh, the way they did this is to take out the leaven, the yeast out of their house and not eat leavened bread for seven days. Again, that's a seven-day feast. So you have the Passover, then you have the, the seven-day feast uh, back-to-back bookend with it. And so that uh, whole thing became known as this feast, the feast of the Passover. So they really didn't call it the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They called the whole thing the Feast of the Passover. So there's the Passover, there's the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Those two things are combined, and that's what they're celebrating at this time. All right, think about a couple things right here. What was the significance of these festivals being celebrated by the home in which Jesus grew up? Now, there's, there's probably several answers to that. Uh, this is a devout Jewish home. Uh, 
but they, they upkeep the tradition. They, they honor God in their obedience. But really more than that, think about that. Um, the two things, one of them is pointing to the Passover lamb, uh, that there's going to be deliverance, and the other is pointing to the removal of sin, and both of those things are going to be done by the actual occupant of the house. And so what a weird thing for the parents of Jesus to be celebrating with this kid who's actually going to be the final Passover lamb and be the remedy for sin. Uh, think about something else right here. Uh, the similarities that you see between what is being celebrated and the mission of Christ. And so I, I started writing that down. There's a whole bunch of these. Um, when you see the celebration and when you see the mission and the work of Christ, what are the similarities? Um, Jesus is going to be the Passover lamb. Jesus would come to Jerusalem. Um, Jesus would go to the temple in his last week. Uh, Jesus' blood would cover us. Uh, Jesus would take away our sin. And so all of these things that are really happening or being pointed to in the celebration are going to be fulfilled in Christ. Uh, think about, uh, we, get, we get to the week of Easter. Guess what? Here he is in Jerusalem. Guess what he does when he gets there? He goes to the temple. All of these things are being foreshadowed in this event. All right, verse 42. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. Let me read that again. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. At 12 years old, an interesting thing, a Jewish male was still considered a child. Now, when they became 13, they're going to become responsible for keeping the law. So they become under the law, responsible for obeying the law at 13. So at 12, they're still considered a child, a kid. Um, notice there it says that they went up uh, to Jerusalem. They went up there for the feast. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. Uh, we, we've talked about this several times in different studies. Uh, Jerusalem was an elevation change. It was a climb and so it doesn't mean they're going north. Uh, it means they're actually going up in elevation on their way to Jerusalem. So we're down here. We're going to travel up uh, in elevation to Jerusalem for the celebration of the feast. All right, it's a family tradition. Second part is this. This one makes me laugh. I thought he was with you. I thought he was with you, starting in verse 43. And as they were returning... After spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. Let me read that again. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. Um, Jesus, it says in his family, stayed the entirety of the feast. So they stayed the whole number of days till the whole thing was over, and then they started for home. Uh, the word here, the, the word for uh, boy here translates child, youth, or child under training. And that's probably the Hebrew understanding of it. A 12-year-old, a boy, is a child under training. And so he's still being taught. He's still being taught the word of God, the law. Um, and so this, it says a boy, and so it's talking about this child, this boy still under training. Now that is a hard thing to think about when you think about Jesus. So they're teaching Jesus, 
And so they're training Jesus. How are you training Jesus? And so that's, that's a weird thing, but that's what it says. The word there for unaware, it simply translates they did not know. It's they knew not. So, hey, we're hooking it out of town. We're traveling. Um, we didn't know Jesus wasn't with us, 44. But supposed him... And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. A common day's journey. Now, it's pretty interesting. As, as the festival ends, uh, there's probably massive amounts of folks headed back to all their hometowns, uh, the folks from this area, this hometown, uh, the, the, hey, me and my 10 friends, we've, we've come in a caravan. Hey, part of our town, we've come in a caravan. They're hooking it out of town. A day's journey at that point would have been about 20 to 25 miles. So the first day they travel uh, 20 to 25 miles. At that point, they realize Jesus is not right here with us. And so they start to look in the most likely places. He's over there with his friends. He's over here somewhere with family members, uh, some relatives. And so they start to check the places where most likely he would be. Verse 45. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Um, they didn't find him. They checked the places he might have been, where he should have been. He's not there. And so they turn and they go the 20, 25 miles back to Jerusalem. Now, I think about that uh, picture, that scenario. Imagine, and I think most parents or, or people that have babysat kids can relate to this scene. Um, you turn around for a second and your kid's gone. Now, I remember, I think my second year here, um, we were doing something, we had some big fellowship and it was all over. We couldn't find Will. And we couldn't find Will, and it's funny for about four minutes, and then it's not funny, and then you start yelling at people, where's Will? And I yell at Carrie, where's Will? And, and people are running around, and we went to every room, FLC, top, bottom, bathrooms, under the pews, choir room, and we couldn't find him, and, and all of a sudden, you're just sick. And it's not, it hadn't been eight minutes, but you're just sick, and then we found him about 20 minutes later, he'd gone and sat in the car, pulled the doors and locked it, and he's sitting in the dark. Uh, he's out there. Carrie probably taught him that. I don't know. Um, but the panic is real. Now, I want you to picture this. You cannot find the Messiah. <laughs> so you can't find the Savior of the world. So we've got a kid missing, but it's not just a kid. It is, it is the Savior of mankind. And so here's where normal life and this crazy supernatural thing that's going on uh, collide. And so I started to think about that. Are they normal parents who've misplaced a kid? That's bad. That's terrible. Or are they the stewards of the Messiah and they've lost the Savior? And so I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Do they go, yeah, we, we've lost the Savior. Um, or here's another, th another thought about that. Do they go, we should worry because our kid's missing? Or do they go, he's God. <laughs> We're not worried about wherever he's at. I don't know. Do they go, this is nothing to worry about. He's God. Whoever he's at, he's all right. Or do they go, 
Dad gum, we've lost our kid. It starts to be kind of telling that they're in this weird place of this is their son, and it's also the Savior of the world, Jesus, the Messiah. So crazy event. Things start to, to show us how weird, peculiar this situation is. All right, next section, supernatural wisdom. Supernatural wisdom, verse 46. Then, after three days, and so I'm guessing one of those days is probably going back, I don't know. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. So no short time, then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Now, when they find Jesus, now remember he's 12 years old, he's sitting in the temple and he's sitting in the midst of the scribes and the great teachers of the Jewish faith. Now, understand this, at the temple with the teachers, uh, these are going to be the, the big dog teachers of the Jewish faith. These aren't going to be somebody uh, outside that's got some religious ideas. He is actually with uh, the, the, the people that are the teachers of the Jewish faith. These are the leaders. These are the ones that when they speak, they draw a crowd. Uh, these are the big dogs of, of the teaching of the Jewish faith. And so when they, they come up, Jesus is there in the midst of them. And he's sitting in the midst of them. It says, listening... Now that word translates to comprehend by hearing, hearing. And so he's hearing what they're saying and he's also asking questions. That, that word translates interrogating, inquiring or a weird um, understanding, demanding of. And so he's listening to the great teachers of the day and he's basically demanding of them. So he hears something and I don't know, does he say, well, is it, do you think it's really like that? Or are you, are you sure it's like that? He is questioning them. He's demanding answers of them, interrogating them. Verse 47. Let me read 46 again. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Verse 47. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Luke tells us there, um, everybody who was hearing was amazed at his understanding, the depth of his understanding, and at the answers that he's given. The word for amazed, listen to this, it means stupefied, stunned, or flabbergasted. And so it's not like, Hey, that's a good answer. They're blown away. They're, they're, they're stupefied. They're flabbergasted. They're stunned. This wasn't like saying, hey, there's a real smart kid up at the temple and he was really showing off all the great things he's learned. It wasn't like that. This is wisdom he shouldn't have. This is supernatural wisdom. It should, there's no way a kid should have been able to do this. It, it was supernatural wisdom. It was beyond what is possible. And so he's given answers um, that, were, that were blowing their mind, and they're stupefied um, as they hear it. Now, here's a, here's a question. What do you think those teachers were really thinking? And there's no, there's no answer to that. 
But I wonder if they start going, that's exactly what that means. And that's exactly what Isaiah was saying. And that's exactly what, what Abraham was pointing to. And I wonder if they start putting things together. I wonder if some of them start going, do you remember 12 years ago there were some shepherds? And they, do they start getting that far advanced? Do they start going, this isn't normal? Or do they start going, this kid's going to be a problem. This guy's going to be a threat. Uh, you know, back 12 years ago, they, they tried to take him out then. Do they start already getting mad? Do they start going, hey, this is, this is going to be an issue? I don't know what they think. And maybe some of them are on the whole spectrum. Some of them are thinking this and some of them are thinking something else. I can't imagine as they're flabbergasted, stupefied with his answers, what they're thinking. All right, next section. What child is this? What child is this? Now, I want you to think about this next section. All these people at the temple are wrestling with the identity and the ability of this boy. And so they're, so they're all sitting there. There's nobody there that's just asleep. They're all there going, who is this? And they're wondering, how does he have this ability? And so, so they're sitting there. Here's this crowd. And everybody's wondering, who's this kid? How does he know this? And they're wondering about his identity and his ability. But here's something we don't think about. Maybe nobody more so than his parents. And we're going to see that in these verses. So as they're wondering, maybe nobody's wondering as much as his parents. Let me show you that, verse 48. When they, his parents, when they saw him, they were astonished. And so when they see him in the midst of the teachers doing what he's doing, they're blown away. They're amazed. They're astonished. And his mother testified. So they're, they're astonished. But then she says this, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, look, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And so on one hand, Mary and Joseph are astonished at what's happening. But at the exact same time, they're upset We've been terrified. We've been running all around town. We've been looking for you. And they're upset that he let them experience such fear. And so here you see again the conflict between um, knowing who Jesus is, raising Jesus, uh, understanding he is fully human, and that he is fully divine. And so it's, it's a crazy, crazy time and, and here they are thinking about it. Now, here's something I thought about. I wonder how many times that dilemma came up. I wonder how many times when he's three and four and seven and nine, I wonder how many times do they go, this is a weird area. How, how, how many times does this come up? Um, I wonder, and this is just goofy, but they're sitting at home one breakfast and Jesus says, I want malto meal this morning. I wonder, does anybody say, well, we're not having malto meal. We don't, we're, not, we're having cornflakes. And your dad just got something. Did anybody, or they say, kid wants malto meal. Everybody get malto meal. How, how does that happen? Um, the, the, the Jewish law, he's not under it till he's 13. Um, was there ever a need to spank him? He, he put his hand on the stove. Does Joseph say, I'm not spanking him, you spank him? Or, or does that never happen? Does he, does he knows, don't put your hand on the stove. We know he never sins, 
but he's growing as a kid. And so, so they're, they're probably in this, this weird, um, I, I'm going to say marvelous, profound, and probably terrifying conundrum all the time. This is God's son. This is the Savior. You know the story, Mary. But at the same time, he, he lives in our house. And so I imagine it's just weird and, and odd, and it's a confrontation uh, of your brain all the time. Verse 49. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Verse 49 is huge. And, and no matter what everybody else is considering, so the crowd's trying to figure it out. Mary and Joseph are trying to figure it out. Jesus at 12 knows who he is. And so when did he know? I don't know when he knew. How did he grow into knowing? Did he know? I don't know. But at 12, um, he says in the temple, this is my father's house. Now that is, uh, I'm sure, lost on us. I'm sure we're not understanding the hugeness of this. But can you imagine here he is with Mary and Joseph. Here he is with the crowd. And he looks around at the magnificent temple grounds and he says, this is my father's house. Um, that's got to be staggering for everybody that hears that. Even his parents, anybody else that hears that. Verse 50. But they did not, listen to that. They did not understand the statement which he had made to them. Again, in verse 50, the complexity, the heavy complexity of the situation is revealed. Now, I want you to think about that. Of all people, Mary and Joseph have to know who he is. Remember the angels came to him? Remember the virgin birth? Remember all the miraculous things? They had met with the angels. They had heard the shepherds come and tell their story. And yet here they are again. It says they don't understand. They're trying to wrap their minds around it once again. They, at, the, at, at this point, understand the humanness of Jesus uh, more than anybody else can understand. And so think about that for a second. They understand the humanness of Jesus. You know why? They cooked his meals. They helped him get dressed. Do you imagine that? They helped him get dressed. They combed his hair. They made sure his hair was combed. Now, they made sure his shoes fit. Do you know somebody has to make sure a five-year-old's shoes fit? Do, do his sandals fit? And so they, they know more than anybody else, this is a human, this is a human, this is a human. And then all of a sudden he says, my father's house. And so the people that put the shoes on the little boy now hear him say, my father's house. And it's very clear, this is not an ordinary boy. This isn't an ordinary son. And I, I think that the song, What Child Is This? They have to probably just go, good grief, what child is this? All right, last section, a good son. Uh, wrapping up the account, it, it could have left off right there, but, but wrapping up the account, I think we see God's grace and his kindness uh, that is shown. Jesus doesn't ridicule them. He doesn't belittle them. He doesn't scorn them. Uh, these are his earthly parents. You know, he could have said, well, dadgum, I mean, surely you would have known where I was at. He doesn't belittle them. He doesn't scorn them. He honors them. Look at, look at verse 51. And he went downhill with them and came to Nazareth. And he continued in subjection to them. And so he gets in subjection to them, and it's what he'd always done. He continues in subjection to them. Now, I think about that for a second. He goes home. 
with his human parents. He'd been at his father's house. He goes home with his human parents. He goes back to his human home. I don't know what their house is like in Nazareth. I'm sure it wasn't like the temple. But he goes back to his human home with his human parents. They get back to their human lives. Now, if they're like us, they've been gone 7, 8, 10, 14 days traveling. Um, there's probably a backlog of work at the carpenter shop. There's probably stuff that needs to get done. The house is a mess. And so they come back and hit it hard. You always go, you know what? You need a break from your vacation. They get back. They got to go back to living. And so here they go back. And life as normal resumes. Now, when I think about that, for a little while longer, it resumes as normal. Now, the next time we pick up with Jesus, life's not going to be normal. But for a little while longer, they're going back to their life. And it's going to be normal for a little while longer. Bible tells us that even as they do that, Jesus continues in subjection to his parents. So they're the parents he is in subjection to them. He submits to his parents. He listens to his parents. He honors, he obeys his parents. And so as a 12-year-old, knowing now who he is, he goes back and what he's always done, because it says keeping, uh, he goes back and he exists in subjection to his parents. That's what he does. All right, verse 52. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. A, a hard verse to really grasp. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. All of Jesus' growing up years are summarized in this one verse. It says kept. And so that's what was happening. And now he goes back and it's what keeps happening. It continues. So, we don't know a lot about his growing up years, but we know this is what happened in his growing up years. These things happened. Kept increasing, all right? Increasing translates continue to make progress to advance. Now, that's hard to understand when it comes to Jesus. So he increases in wisdom. He's the possessor of infinite wisdom. How, does he, how is he increasing in wisdom? How is he progressing in anything? How is he advancing in anything? And I have to go back to his four-year-old brain couldn't, couldn't comprehend. His six-year-old brain was growing in its ability to comprehend. He is fully human. And so during these years, he's increasing, advancing, progressing in these things. Wisdom means intelligence, clarity, and learning. And so guess what? He's learning. His intelligence is increasing. Clarity. Stature means maturity, and fullness of age. And so uh, the 12-year-old Jesus wasn't like the 9-year-old Jesus, wasn't like the 4-year-old the Jesus. He is growing in maturity. He's, he's growing in the fullness of his age. And the last word, favor, means to be inclined to or bring sweetness or pleasure to. And so as he's growing in wisdom, as, he, as he's growing in maturity, um, people love him. He's a blessing to people. And it says to God. And so as God sees him grow, um, he is pleasing to the Father. He is a blessing to the Father. Now, that is because he's growing uh, to be, walk in obedience to the cross. But what a, what a crazy thing to think about. That's, that's the product of these years. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men.
All right, so we finished the section. Whole lot of questions not answered. Whole lot of questions that we can think about. Uh, sometimes they're, they're weird questions, but they're, they're still questions. But what we know is this. Um, he grows up in a home um, that was a good home. He grows up in a home uh, that sought to honor God the Father. And he grows up, and somewhere in that process, he realizes who he is and what he's, what he's there to do. And that's where we're going to stop tonight. Glad you all are here tonight. I'm going to ask if you all stand, please. I want to say this. This is the first time I was counting up in five months that our auditorium has been cool. <laughs> so praise the Lord for that. And a little bit wet outside too. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your truth. I pray that our kids and our youth tonight are learning you were fully man, able to come, willing to come and pay the sins of mankind. And so I pray that that, that is, is stressed and, and, and becomes the truth that they hold on to. Same for us tonight. I'm thankful for your word. I pray that we've grown tonight. I pray that we've grown in our love for you tonight. And then we just tell you we're thankful. We're thankful that you came, humbled yourself, took on flesh, um, that you might save us as sinful, dumb people. And we love you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad y'all are here.